Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Good morning, fellow rut addicts. I hope you're seeing lots of deer running around, a lot of bucks dogging does through the dog days of summer. Okay, it's not really summer, but man, it has been hot out. That's okay, though. It's still the right magical page of the calendar, good old sweet November, and there are more deer out now than any other time of the year during those normal shooting hours. So hopefully you're out in the stand taking advantage of this gift, this gift on the calendar, these best days of deer hunting. Well, if you're like me and you haven't notched tag yet, and you're also a first-gen hunter, you may on occasion ask yourself, where are all the deer at? How do I actually get close to these critters, close enough to uh, pull a trigger? Well, you aren't the first one to ask that question. That, I think, is a probably one of the most common questions for people getting into hunting and also veteran hunters as well. So, I consulted two guys that I would consider to be experts at this very thing. Jared Gortzema and James Zanstra of Boga Hunting are two guys who love to hunt and do it almost exclusively with archery equipment. So these guys are great at getting in there close to the deer so that they can notch their tags and uh, enjoy the fruits of their labor. So I figured they'd be a great resource for answering this exact question. We're going to ask Jared and James to tell us how they would handle some very specific situations. We're going to ask how they do some scouting. We're going to ask how they hunt different phases of the season, what kind of terrain features they're looking for, and so much more. You don't want to miss this one because it's one of those episodes that will instantly make you a better deer hunter just by listening to it and hopefully help you fill your tag before the end of this deer season. So without further ado, make sure you're keeping your vehicle between the lines don't be so distracted by looking for those uh, bucks chasing does out in the ag fields or whatever and turn up the volume and get ready to learn as you tune in to episode 27 of the first gen hunter podcast Brandon, we are in great company tonight. We have I'm excited. Yeah, me too, man. We have James Anstra and Jared Gortzma from Boga Hunting here with us tonight. And uh, these guys are giving guys. And you want to know how I know that? How so? Because <laughs> it is a Tuesday night. We finally have got some cooler weather to move in here in the Midwest, in the mm. heart of the rut. And here they are mm-hmm. in front of a computer willing to record a podcast with us. <laughs> Thank you, Are you guys, guys getting oh, my that goodness. cold weather already? Yeah, man. We <laughs> so I'm a I'm a teacher, and yeah. the things are just crazy right right now at school. I believe and it. so I mean, as if not crazy enough, you know, I got like a bunch of my kids that are stuck in quarantine from from 
close contacts and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm like video I'm like teaching over a video camera. Then all of a sudden my cell phone starts like going berserk. I'm like, what is going on here? You know, it's, the election's over. There's the, it can't be it can't, can't be Jim from Tennessee trying to get me to vote. Uh, I look at my phone. There's a tornado warning. This huge, this, yeah. So now we take all these kids and we got to put them out in the hallway and uh, uh, just. Apart. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, socially distance yourself as you try not to die. Yeah, you so. got to pick your means of death: a tornado or, or COVID. <laughs> I prefer tornado. Yeah, yeah. that's a better way to go. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But no, it was it was a uh, it was a crazy day, but it marked some good news. We finally got some cooler weather moving in, but. Kind of as we were talking before the show, you know, those dates on the calendar, I think, mean a little bit more to the deer this time of year than the thermometer does. And so Mm -hmm, deer are still up and about, and being in the stand is just as important as ever before. Yep. But but we are super appreciative, though. I really mean it, James and Jared, for you guys uh, taking the time out. And, of course, you too, Brandon, uh, for Mm -hmm. uh, just uh, giving us some of your time. And... I also got to say something here specifically to Jared. Jared, I, I've uh, noticed through our connections through social media and, and of course, following uh, Boga a little bit, uh, you are a Marine veteran, and today is a special day for Marines. Yes, it is. If anyone doesn't know, November 10th, 1775 is the Marine Corps birthday. Mm. Today is the 245th birthday. Nice. That is right. Yeah. Born in a bar, right? Philadelphia. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty cool stuff there. And and uh, a friend of mine from high school who's uh, active duty right now. He he posted a a Marine Corps birthday video that was that Marine Corps put up. Oh man. Talk about giving you chills and just like oh, yeah. feeling mm-hmm. patriotic and, and uh, yes. really thankful for the freedoms we have here. So I do want to kick off the show by, of course, saying uh, happy birthday to you, as all you. Marines should hear today. But also tomorrow is another special day, Veterans Day. Mm-hmm. And so yep. uh, definitely uh, uh, on my behalf, and I'm sure Brandon's behalf, thank you very yes. much for Thank serving you. serving our country yeah. de- defending us and uh keeping america uh safe and uh really the the beacon of light for the rest of the world so i, I really appreciate that and Thanks, guys. yeah absolutely and i do want to take the time too to kind of do a little bit of a sound off here for some veterans close to both brandon and me um mm-hmm. my brother luke who is uh, active duty in the army right now um brandon your brother phil also a uh, devil dog correct yeah yeah he was in the marines for six years yep yep nice. and uh my cousin brian who uh we've told some of his stories on here before uh he <laughs> uh, also was a uh, marine vet and uh, of course mm-hmm. my uh, grandfather's as well so thank you to all uh all yes. these people that we know and everyone else tuning in who uh, is a veteran or, or uh, close to a veteran, we, we truly are in debt to you, and uh, uh, I hope tomorrow's a special day for you, if there's such a thing in 2020. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but, but that's kind of why we brought Jared and James on the show, because we're trying to give people that better opportunity of having that mm. special day of actually yeah. uh, getting to tag out on a buck this year. Yes. And uh, really the, one of the biggest, well, of course, we're going to, we're going to give um, James and, and Jared a chance to fill us in on BOGA for anyone who may not uh, be familiar with their channel. 
but a big part of that is archery hunting and mm-hmm. yeah. i'm gonna say the hardest part of archery hunting is tonight's topic getting oh, close to deer how do you yeah how do you get within bow range of these super savvy animals that just they just know how to survive and mm-hmm. and uh we we figured that you guys would uh be excellent resource to tap for this and and uh so that's that's really where, where we want to get tonight but um let's uh first uh hear a little bit about boga and then we'll go ahead and dive right into this topic so can you guys kind of uh fill us all in on how boga started and and just uh kind of the direction your channel takes Jared, you kick, do it. You do it. Kick it, Jim. You're always the guy. You, me? Okay. <laughs> so Jared and I uh, grew up kind of buddies. Uh, I think seventh grade, we started hanging out. And um, in high school, we both played soccer and eventually learned that, you know, we each liked to hunt. So we started um, started hunting together in Big Rapids, uh, Michigan. So up north, awesome. got a family cottage. And uh, it's funny because you say, like, talking about finding deer, but, like, the first many years that Jared and I hunted together, we hunted the same three, like three spots. And we yeah, just, yeah. we would just go, I remember I would walk down the road about a quarter mile and not even, not even a quarter mile. Not even. Mm-hmm. And then I would cut in to the right and cut in about 75 yards. And that's where I would sit every day, morning, night, <laughs> no matter of the wind, what the wind was doing. Yeah, right. I'm sitting there, I'm waiting it out. And, uh, yeah, it's funny because we, we've since kind of realized later on, let's, let's check out public land and other new places. And mm-hmm. it's kind of fun to just learn and figure out how deer do things. Um, we can't yeah. say that we're like the most successful guys that you're going to talk to. There's probably a lot better hunters, but we're trying to learn from those guys. And so, sure. um, what we, we got together and we, we started a podcast and some of social media stuff and really all aimed at just learning more about how to be good hunters uh sure what i selfishly use it for a lot and i I know jared does too it's (laughs) we have these great people that are willing to share the interesting ways that they go about hunting and and Mm -hmm. a lot of times there's different there's some themes that kind of carry on but um it's just cool to be able to learn um and and talk to these people so even talking to guys like you it's going to be great to hear you know your approach and how you do things yeah, definitely. That's I, I echo that entirely from my own experience here with First Gen Hunter. Just I, mm-hmm. I learned so much just by talking to guys like you and and uh, kind of bouncing ideas off and and looking at things in a different way. But but you're right, man. When you look back at those earliest days of hunting, it's almost painful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what was I doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, it's funny how it goes, right? So, and I think of this as like a generational thing. Um, my dad was his dad. My dad's dad did not hunt. Right. Um, my dad was kind of the first hunter, and he's he, he hunts hard and he does it, but he's not a you know he's not the, an expert hunter by any sure means, right. Sure. Um, and then Jared and I kind of get to learn from them and kind of carry mm-hmm. it on, and, and, and mm-hmm. hopefully it keeps pushing on uh, further and further. And you're both the things that you learn in terms of you know strategy, but. Like we were talking before the recording, the things you can learn about, you know, hunting well. Uh, and yeah. that's that's an important thing to do, too. Right, right. 
Yeah, one, well, and I know one thing that you know, can't, kind of reoccurring theme, and it sounds like the same thing for you guys. You know, the journey of learning never stops, and you know, you, you're, you look back at what you, you know, how you've grown, and I mean, it's it's really cool to see yourself on that journey and still in the process, and you know, it, hunting is such a such a cool sport as well because you know you you never cease to be humbled you know just when you maybe you think yeah. oh you know hey man I, I feel like i'm getting this you know then you get busted by a buck or something and it's like man it, just that learning process never stops and that's really what makes it something that you know for those of us who love it just keep coming back for more you know you you want right. to you want to get better you just enjoy that that competition almost you know amongst yourself and then you know you add that to the camaraderie and the fellowship of brothers and sisters in the outdoors and i mean it just makes for an amazing experience yeah Yep. Yep. Definitely. Well, let's kind of start there. Let's uh, let's uh, go back to when this all began. And, and James, you kind of mentioned this that you and you and Jared kind of start out this way, where you had identified for whatever reason these different spots, and you you uh, would just kind of go back to the well, so to speak, over and over yeah, again. Somebody else put the stand up for me. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Most of my time was spent in an old, built out of wood uh, tree stand. It was a high one. It was yeah, it was high. That was one but of the more was... scary. Were you talking about that old pine tree you used to set up? Yeah, the pine. Yep. That one was. Okay, so the, so the first time James has me up to this place, he goes, dude, you want to sit you up in this stand. It's my stand. Uh, I hunt there all the time. It's awesome. I mean, I shot, a deer, I shot a deer out of there, and you're going to, I mean, you're going to see deer. I'm like, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm getting out there. He's like, yeah, it's right down over there. And then he walks off. It's the middle of the morning. I have no idea where I am. So I'm finding, trying to find this giant pine tree, and I finally do. Yeah. And it's got all these old screw-in tree oh, stems no. <laughs> that oh, are no. way, way oh, too man. far apart. Oh, <laughs> so not only are you reaching for something way up top and pulling yourself up, you got to like, he made the tree stand in like the crotch of two trunks that like split off. Stand. It was <laughs> for me. Okay. I wasn't so what I did. to build it. So the main <laughs> trunk comes up at probably up, what, 25 feet? And yeah. then kind of breaks off to like a Y. And they made like a seat right in the middle of that Y. Yes. Oh, man. So you've got to like contort your body to yes. get up onto this seat. And now you do. I mean, I didn't even use a, a safety harness at the time. I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. But right. yeah, I can, I can attest to those. Uh, those tree stands of the the Zanster clan. I can. <laughs> you, know what, you know what? You know, keeps you awake in a tree stand, falling out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yep. Yes, yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that that tree stand yeah. can come become real dangerous during the rut when you're doing all those early mornings in a row. <laughs> well, well J- Jared, Jared was with me when I first shot my first deer with my bow. Oh, that's I was. Awesome. I was like, I was like 50, fifty yards away in another wooden wooden ladder yeah, stand like between us there was a little finger of swamp that butted up to the road you know mm, that sure. swampy spot jared and you were in what was called ryan's stand yes with my cousin <laughs> and i was in the pine tree <laughs> jimmy yeah, awesome. and so i i sh- this deer comes out and mind you i had missed several deer from the spot and sure. a bobcat like i missed basically i was over a, a, a quite a few but when i turned 15 i think i was 15 when i shot this deer and I shot it, and I was almost like shocked that I can't believe I just hit that deer. I, <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah, right. You know? I'm like, oh! I'm yeah. All of a sudden, it's it's like real quiet, and all of a sudden you hear a, 
Woo! <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> He's like pulling back his bow. All right, same oh, routine here. Going to well, go was, find this arrow. <laughs> it wasn't even a good shot. She had ducked. I spined her. She dropped. Oh, man. She, oh, so I'm like, I cannot believe I cannot believe that just happened. And, uh, you know, as much as I'd like to say, it was a you know, hard shot. Didn't go 20. Uh, she dropped, and it was a bad shot. But yeah. you know, first year, and Jared was there. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a special yeah. thing, emotional, For emotional support. And yeah. He had to hold his hand while we drug it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things no. were sad. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> cannot be unsaid. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is awesome. What a great what a great memory. Yeah. I think my first deer, I uh, I was shooting a rifled slug. We all know how those work. Yeah. In a smooth yeah. barrel 870, and mm-hmm. uh, I. Uh, I was aiming at the chest and I hit her in the neck at about 70 yards on the run. <laughs> but hey, hey it was, man, that, those neck shots, I almost took a neck shot this morning. And obviously I, I wouldn't, but sure. deep down, part of me was like, you think you could, you think you could be lethal? You know? Yeah, could, right. Can yeah, you make yeah, that right. shot? Yeah. Yep. Then, yep. then the realistic me was like, are you kidding me? You're not going to hit that. So, you know, I didn't do it. <laughs> yep. Well, hey, if you hit them just right, it's a pretty short track job, kind of like when you spine that dough. I mean, mm-hmm. it's yeah. not it's not the ideal thing, I guess. Not the textbook perfect, but it sure no. beats losing a deer or a long track job or something like that. Yeah. Well, it's different with a shotgun. Yes, uh, that you know, shock. A, yeah. a recurve, you know, it's night and day, so. Yep. Yeah, sure. Yeah, def- yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so let's let's kind of start there, though. Where you know whoever it was that built jimmy stand and ryan's stand and uh you know when i think back to the first time that that i went out on my own and and um i just kind of had this idea in my head of this type of terrain is where i'm gonna find deer probably got it in my head from driving down the road and seeing deer on the you know out in a field edge or something like that but now that uh you guys have many many more years of of hunting experience and talk you know talking with experts doing your own research logging hours in the stand let's kind of start here with this idea of terrain features and we could talk you know bed to feed that kind of thing um you, you mentioned swamps i know t- the terrain yeah. there in in your part of the country compared to here in iowa and even up in delaware where brandon's at is you know there's there's quite a bit of variance there but let's kind of break down let's kind of hit two birds with one stone here let's kind of break down the type of terrain that you are prioritizing during these three phases of deer season and so i'm going to do early season like october maybe even september for some states that that start that early um then we'll go with rut which is what we're in right now of course and then um late season kind of after the deer have been worked over with a uh, heavy heavy hitting gun season so what what, let's start right there with early season though what what are you looking for when you're when you're scanning a property i know you guys do quite a bit of saddle hunting right now yeah 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 primarily yeah 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 that's and i think that's kind of probably that next big push that that people are going to start jumping on board with so this is this will be a little bit ahead of the time i think but where are you looking to set up during the early season what kind of features are you really trying to prioritize so you you kind of touched on um saddle hunting just a little bit and Mm -hmm. i guess i guess i'll start out first by saying when we're going in at least early season um we want to have different 
uh, options with us at all times. So most of the time when James and I are first going out hunting, maybe to a new spot we haven't been to, sure. we're bringing our, our saddle set up along with um, like our leafy suits or ghillie suits. Okay. Because, because if we've gone, if we're going into these spots blind, we don't really have a tree picked out. We have an, an area that we think looks okay. Sure. Yeah. And if we get there, and we find that we can't really get up in a tree that we like or overseeing the specific terrain that um, that we'll get into here in a second, then, then we want to have the option of being able to hunt on the ground. So yeah. for okay. first off, yeah. we'll, we'll have those two options in mind first. But for, for early season, um, we kind of like to target in. Obviously, the areas that are going to hold deer have to have bedding. They have mm-hmm. to have a food source, and they have yeah. to have a water source. Those three yeah. things off the bat need to have it has to happen mm-hmm. but then off of that i guess for me in the early season i like to target those early season food sources deer have to eat sure um so what what is that when you say food source well if you're in you know farm country it's going to be fields mm-hmm. something they can get a free free meal at um if you're in wooded sections look for browse material uh, it could be some of those uh, stinging nettles they like to eat. Mm-hmm. There's jewel weed that they like to eat. And if you don't know what these plants are, it's an easy easy little Google search and you'll find oh, it. Yeah. Most yep. of the time you're like, oh, yeah, I weed with that in the back of the house anyway. I use one of those flame weeders to get the jewel yeah. weed. Oh, yep. nice. Yeah. You're, if, you, if you're out scouting in a new spot and you see a patch of jewel weed, check the tops of them because most of the time deer – We'll just walk by and just start nipping the tops huh. of them, and you can actually mm-hmm. you can actually see it. It looks like it's been almost like burnt off at the top, but sure. it's just yeah. where deer deer are just eating. Mowed off, yeah. yeah. Yep, you're forgetting the acorn, Jared. You got your. I was acorn. getting to that, man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Let the dogs speak. Sorry, sorry. So, but you're then circling, man. I, I know, but then obviously, um, I like to go after the acorns if they're dropping. Sure. They're, mm-hmm. It's a very easy uh, tree to target. And yep. most of the time, you can hear the acorns dropping. So for me, my my big terrain to to focus in on are the acorns right away. Yeah, yeah, that's that's nice. yeah, that's a great. That's tip. a good answer, Jared. Hey, thanks, man. <laughs> well, well, how about you? <laughs> well, well, how about me? Well, I I subscribe to pretty much everything you said. That's but true. To add to, I mean, we're very similar. Our approaches are are very very similar. Uh, the thing that I would add, and actually, this kind of applies for early, middle, and late season. I just look for things on land that funnel deer. Mm. So, like a pond and, yeah. you know, a big open space or something like that. Or the connection between two fields or, you know, yep. some high, some high uh, incline and, like, look for a saddle okay. or, you know, yeah. or a bench. Sure. Um, I mean, during the rut, Jared and I have seen so many deer by sitting up uh, on, some, on saddles and uh, drainage openings okay and yeah. the deer just cruise right up there and i mean last year we i think you shot one i i oh, i was close i was uh that was out in zealand but i mean both of us had good opportunities on those uh the openings of, of drainages that's yeah that's that's a really good tip right there yes i've had i've had uh a friend of mine 
point that out to me before. He's like, you know, during the rut, these bucks are just moving so much that mm-hmm. they they want some kind of a highway, you know, something as close to a, a highway as they can have, but still gives them enough cover. And like you said, a lot of times those those drainage areas they can they can offer a lot of that stuff. So yeah, that's a yeah. that's an excellent tip. Yeah, yeah, and actually to kind of to kind of go off of that and a little bit on what we were talking earlier before we started recording. Um, we start talking a little bit about, you know, kind of doing what no one else is doing. Yeah. So if, if us four were to look at a map that we all haven't been to and we see a big swamp and we see a field and then maybe some other terrain, uh, maybe like a hill or a ridge or something leading up to whatever, most of us are going to be like, Oh, I'm going to target this field edge Mm -hmm. and I'm, I know I'm going to target this swamp. But mm-hmm. not a lot of people will actually throw their maps on to the topo and start looking at what James is talking about, those draws, yeah. you know, the drains leading up the ridges. Because like yeah. you were saying, a lot of those times, the most deer that we've seen have been traveling up those draws and using the path of least resistance. Yeah, Those, that's those right. topo maps are as valuable as Google Maps, sure. in my opinion. Sure. I mean, Jared and I usually, when we first look at a spot, I, I think this is how you do it too, Jared, is when we first look at any spot on, on our map, we use uh, the HuntWise app. But mm-hmm. uh, when you first look at a spot, I just look first at Topo, and it'll yep. show, you know, different depressions or yeah, right. rises in, in geography. And it's like, then I flip over and see what I'm looking at. Yep. And some of them have like little, uh, like squiggles for swamps, so you at least have some idea where the swampy areas are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? and that, <laughs> I've never called them squiggles. Like little trees or something. I don't know. They're little. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's like exploding bombs or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know? like bang. Yeah. Don't fall in here. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's a that's a. <laughs> I'm going to say that's a high level tip right there because you're right. We, we look at, you know, I kind of think of it through the eyes of shed hunting. You know, when you're looking at, especially when you're doing aerial scouting, you're like, all right, that's a hot spot right there. But, yeah. but those, those terrain features, like just a, a little ridge or a little rise, you know, yeah. if, if that ground's getting hit, especially as hard as it does in your state where there's, there's so many people hunting deer have to find a way to survive. And so they're, they're learning, you know, you talk, you hear it all the time. Guys are like, Oh man, out here, you, a doe will look right up in the tree at you. You know, yeah. they've found a way to survive. And so if they can utilize those little ridges and things like that, that's yeah. a, that's a, that's a really high level tip there. That's like, yeah, that's something that can yeah. take you to a, a whole new level this season. If you pay close attention to that one yeah absolutely brandon you're you're you said you're from delaware right yes sir are you hunting in more suburban areas or are you uh pretty rural where you're going we're pretty rural where we're at we're we've got a lot of a lot of ag land and and kind of different from the midwest in the sense of we also have large blocks of woods i know when i was when i was living out in wisconsin for college um it was you know it was a huge you know, ag fields and then kind of smaller patches of woods. We're yep. kind of a, a little different from that in the sense we, we do have, a, you know, some big fields, nothing monstrous. It's more of the big blocks of woods bordering fields. Gotcha. Um, so that's kind of the, the typical terrain we're hunting out in our in our neck of the woods. Okay. Well, the, re- the reason I say is we're talking about different things that funnel deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This year I spent quite a bit of time, and Jared knows we've talked about this, um, is daily. Uh, daily i talk about we talk about i think about it all the time but i've been hunting more suburban areas right my house is on really the edge of suburban and rural 
And yeah. so like down the way, I'll have some like 40 and up acre plots, like, you know, within, within a quarter mile. But then I'm also right by a bunch of neighborhoods where these people have three or so acres, right? Sure. sure. Yeah. And so I, I hunt the back three often, which is, has been a phenomenal, this, this year I've learned so much, uh, w- with that. But one thing I've learned is that it funneling applies even in those areas too. And so what that is, is honestly, if somebody's out in their yard, these, these deer go somewhere else, it pushes them <laughs> over or th- these people have a swimming pool or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it activities like that are going on funnel deer as well. And I've noticed it like crazy. I, I, I was laughing the other day. I'm, uh, I'm out. And I've been seeing a lot of deer. I'm actually, my property is right by um, a big bedding area where eight does that have mm. consistently bed. It's been awesome sure. for the rut. I've seen yeah. you know, a lot, yeah. lot of stuff going on. But um, <laughs> early on in the season, there's this deer, and I watch her kind of walk at the doe. She walks up in somebody's backyard, and she's just feeding on the, uh, like, whatever garden plants they had. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. the neighbor comes out, and he's like, hey, get out of here. You know? <laughs> she runs. She runs right, uh, like right up to me, and I'm just laughing. Like this is not the way until this year that I've really ever hunted. Yeah, but yeah, it right. Is, it is interesting, and I you see, it's crazy. First of all, how many what they're doing regular deer stuff? It's just close, right? But you yeah. see foxes, and you see, you know, you see cool stuff out there that it's not that far away. For me, it's in my backyard, uh, which yeah. has allowed me to hunt a lot more. Yeah. But going back to my point, it's just like there are a lot of things that funnel deer. You know, are, are people. Mm-hmm. Around my house, and this sounds weird, Sundays deer move at a very different time, and I think it's because no one is outside. <laughs> I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if this is true or not, but it's like I have a pattern. My wife and I know it's like the deer show up every Sunday. And yeah, so that's interesting. I, I think I think there's interactions with humans affect deer movement in like a whole bunch of ways. Yeah. yeah. So you're almost you're almost patterning people to pattern the deer. That's that's yeah. a good yeah. tip. Well, and I think I think too. I, I I definitely agree with you. You know, and I think I think there it, there is almost an advantage too in the sense of them being a little bit more. You know, if if you're looking at a place where there's absolutely no human involvement, you know, perceived pressure is going to impact the deer more than in an area where perhaps they're having regular you know, run-ins with people, it's going to affect their movement, but it's not necessarily going to suppress the, you know, the overall uh, movement on the property across the board as comparatively speaking to, you know, a, a you know, a, a landlocked property that's not touched ever, you know? So I think that's kind of interesting too, because, you know, a couple of our properties, a couple of our private piece properties, we have some homes, you know, it, it's, it, it's very rural, but we have similar like what you just said like some three acre type setups and whatnot and i mean i was out there i was out there earlier this year i was you know i was getting deer on cam every every day you know just boom same time same time same time and i get out there and there's some shooting going off and there's there's uh, there's a guy really nice guy i I text him i'm like hey what's going on man everything all right (laughs) and uh and, and i kid you not he he said oh it's it's fine me and my buddy we're using some pirate weapons and I was ah. like, what? I, and and it, there were some cannons going on. I don't know what was going on over there. <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't see anything that day. But I mean, it's but it's been very interesting to see how when you, you kind of hunt that fringe where there are some homes and whatnot, you know, that it, it how it does impact things a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's 
Maybe he was having the same trespassing issues I had here recently. Maybe that's why, why the, pirate, the pirate weapons were coming out. Yeah. No, that's, that's uh, you know, kind of here in relation to this idea with increased pressure. I've heard, yeah, other, yeah. I've heard other guys from your state talk about, and I don't think I can even comprehend this just because there's so many more hunters in, in Michigan than there are in Iowa, but gun season, that's kind of... Yeah, I mean, you guys are probably already kind of feeling that pressure of, you know, if if I really want my best crack at a deer with a bow, it's got to be coming here in the next few weeks because the Orange Army is going to be out in uh, full yeah. force here soon. <laughs> yeah. How does that change things for you guys, strategy-wise? Once gun season has come and gone, there's still some, you know, quality bucks that you're after in the area. How are you kind of switching that up at that point? Hey, hey, First Gen fam. Hope you guys are enjoying this first part of the show. This one was a ton of fun to record. Uh, Obviously, James and Jared are uh, not only full of great hunting wisdom, but uh, great entertainers as well. A lot of of fun recording this one. Hey, real quick, I realized after I uh, was going back editing this episode, I forgot two of the most important veterans in my life. And I definitely want to give him a shout out for this uh, uh, Veterans Day uh, recording, editing, and uh, technically it's going to drop the day after Veterans Day, but uh, kind of the theme here at the beginning of the show. And that would be my father-in-law, Jim. He is a, a listener of the show and uh, uh, just a great friend of mine and uh, one of my uh, top fishing buddies, uh, actually. And then uh, his dad, uh, who uh, we lost a few years ago but was a, uh, a Marine veteran, just as Jim was as well. Uh, so uh, happy Veterans Day to uh, Jim and Pop, and uh, thank you so much for your service. Well, for the tip of the day, it needs to be deer relevant. We're right in the thick of deer season, and something that I've really been working on lately, I've been hearing some advice from other good channels here recently, and that is how do you approach your daily setups for the rut? And it really goes back to understanding deer behavior. During this time of year, things change both for the good and for the bad. And the reason I say it that way is deer can be fairly predictable during October. And uh, even once we get into late season, into December and, and definitely into January, kind of that bed to food pattern. And deer are still kind of on that during the rut more so the does so does are going to um they're they're not really seeking and cruising like the bucks are during the rut i mean their 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 behavior is going to be a little bit different as well but they're still going to be more on that reliable in the morning they're leaving the feeding areas and heading back to bed and uh, in the evenings they're leaving the bedding areas and heading back to food and so you kind of want to set up accordingly well that means then during the rut in the morning typically you're going to want to hunt closer to bedding areas you're going to see bucks kind of traveling around those areas looking for kind of keeping an eye out for those does that are ready to breed and then during the evenings when the does are going to be heading towards uh, their reliable food sources 
that's probably where you're going to want to focus most of your efforts then. Now with this year being so warm, I've noticed even into November that there's still some deer hitting some of the green food sources uh, this late in the season. They haven't necessarily fully transitioned over to uh, those picked ag fields. And so you can kind of uh, have a few more options to look. But the other thing you have to keep in mind is when you're looking for these areas, the bucks are all checking by scent for those does that are in estrus. And so the deer kind of in a way congregate or, or the deer, the buck density uh, picks up in certain areas, which then means there could be no bucks where you're hunting at where you would think would be a good spot. And so you're definitely going to want to consider the things that James and Jared offer up in this episode about kind of deciding when you need to be aggressive and maybe push after uh, those deer and try and find them on your own. Because if you just wait for them to come to you during the rut, that's not always going to happen. So quick recap in the mornings, typically going to want to be near those bedding area setups and then in the evenings maybe transition over to the feeding area setups it's also worth noting that a lot of guys believe in all day sets meaning you're in the stand from sun up to sundown basically now you can move around and, and change where you're going to be at but um, generally speaking the this is the time of year when the bucks are traveling the most during daylight hours during shooting hours and so it, it would be wise for you to be in the stand as much as you can. But at the same time, don't neglect your family. Don't neglect the responsibilities back at home. Make sure you're uh, uh, being the, the person you're supposed to be in all areas, not just in the deer woods. So make sure you take some of these things to heart. And then, of course, uh, don't get down if you aren't seeing deer. You may just need to go find them, find out where that rutting activity is going on, and uh, just have a blast piecing the puzzle together that's really the best part of it so hope you have a great rut hope this episode's been a lot of fun for you and enjoy part two here of episode 27 of the first gen hunter podcast Yeah, it it's like totally shuts things down. Yeah, you know. Sure. Um, I mean, it, the 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 way to get at them is to get really really up close into their beds. I would think. Yeah. Okay. Is, is yeah. the way that I I think about it. It's like, and and Jared actually and I have talked and really done it this year where we've gotten even in the early season uh, on public land we've gotten deep like we get really up close. In personal, it's like we've learned more and more you do that. It's, you get more encounters and I think more success because, yeah. because yeah, maybe you'll blow up a spot in mm-hmm. public land. Just come in with, yep. if you scout more spots, then you can go and be as aggressive as you want. Like go for that, yep. you know, really aggressive sit and then either yeah. sit there a month later, two weeks later, whatever, or don't even sit there the rest of the year. Jared and I, I've never sat on public land the same spot more than once this year. Have you, Jared? Sure. No. Nope. No. That's yeah. That's a really good point. So, Jared, when you're you kind of talked about this earlier, when you're going into some of these deep areas, even after 
gun season. Are you still kind of going at it with the ghillie suit, but still have all your uh, saddle harness and everything ready to go at the same time? And then as you're getting into these really aggressive setups, are you just kind of like almost letting the deer make that decision for you, whether or not you're going to stay on the ground? Or are you still kind of marching out there with the hope of first finding a good tree to hang from and if and then re, you know go into the ghillie suit ground approach what what's kind of your your tactic there for getting real aggressive yeah late season obviously these deer have been pushed around they've been pressured they're in the, the thickest gnarliest places that no one really wants to get mm-hmm. into yeah but yeah so obviously if we have our spots maybe three or four that we we haven't hit yet and that we want to go check out i'm i'm still bringing that same setup me personally mm-hmm. i'm still bringing the saddle uh, and my sticks and then uh, a ghillie suit in the pack um or our leafy suits whatever sure um just just because if i find a spot it's like yeah i could sit here i'm gonna do that but m- more recently um obviously hopefully by this time of year there's snow on the ground mm-hmm, and if mm-hmm. there's snow on the ground you're able to track deer 10 times easier. Yeah. Um, so what, what we've been doing uh, is just getting on a deer trail or maybe a heavily used one and then just following it. Oh, making wow. Sure, and just they're going to lead you to where yeah. wherever they are, especially if it's a yeah. fresh track. If you've got a fresh snowfall and you yep. go out, like say you get a fresh snowfall at night and you can go out in the morning and you'll see fresh tracks. Right. And if you can follow them, at least to a decent area where you think that they're bedding, then sure. we're setting up, we're setting them up around that bedding area based off the yep. wind and where we think we yeah. can ambush them. Okay, yeah. that's you a, know so what, though, it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot more active approach once late season yeah. hits for us. Yeah. We've done that. We've devoted like whole weekends to just yeah. big woods tracking, still hunting deer. And with a bow, it sounds like it, it's not as hard as you think. Like we got a lot of shots at deer. You just got to yeah, follow their tracks. And, you know, we spent a lot of time figuring out how to tell when they're slowing down as opposed to, like, like if they're starting to slow oh, down, they start so to cool. feed. That means yeah, they're going to bed is. soon. And so you, yeah. you follow it. And once you see them start to meander a little bit, you go real slow. And huh. then it's, you, if you bring a pair of binoculars, you can find them in the snow a lot easier than you thought. Yeah. Nice, yep. quiet, soft snow. You can sneak yeah. right in. That is, man, that is cool. So that is cool. So you're like basically just tracking these things down, getting right into the bedroom, and then just yeah. basically waiting for a shot. That yeah. is, yep. That is, that's an excellent tip there for anyone who's, you know, kind of in that Minnesota, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Michigan environment with all that timber and and some of the bigger tracks of public ground where you can you can really follow a trail like that, that is a great tip, man. It also just kind of teaches you, like, even if I would recommend it to anybody, I mean, I would say you probably like it's gonna like you won't be successful your first time, but just to try it once, you learn so much about the way Mm -hmm. the deer move through the woods. Mm -hmm. You follow one set of tracks and just see what they're doing. Sure, yeah, it's really interesting to do. So, when you're doing that, do you ever try and predict where they're going to be and then almost like loop out around them, like, try and get get maybe into a better position with the wind or or just uh you know almost so you can set up with your saddle or or you know find that good spot 
that you can kind of feather yourself in with some brush or something and, and hunt from the ground. Do you, do you guys try and do any of that or is it is it you're not really deciding how you're going to approach it until you've laid eyes on, on the deer? Oh, we, Jared, well, at both. Remember that time <laughs> me, me and you were sitting together and we, we kind of on the power like, lines. We, yeah. We gave ourselves <laughs> yeah. like a ton of view and we're like, we're sitting and we want to see where the deer go in and then we're going to make a move and cut them off. Okay. Right. And so we did that. I don't know why we were together. We weren't like filming or anything. We just you were, were looking one just, way. I was looking the other. And I don't yeah, know. That's right. I kind of wanted someone to talk to you. We, uh, it's kind of fun out with your buddy, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, for sure. So yeah. We, we, we swooped down, and that we had that. You shot that buck at like 20 yards. It came right in. It worked like right the trail we thought it. it would. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Man, that's a. Huh. I got to try that sometime. That's a. It's all, all this it's stuff fun. is not like yeah. complicated. It's just like people, when they think about hunting, have a very closed minded yes approach right. to like you go out you climb up a tree you shoot you know yes. you go 10 feet up in the air 20 feet up in the air like sometimes and you're you're stuck feet. in that tree yep. yeah yeah sometimes it's best to go three feet in a swamp on a small tree where you're just above the cattail right yeah. That's sometimes a... you got to go on the ground sometimes you just gotta jared and i have built these giant ground blinds you know way out uh, on public land <laughs> like sometimes you just gotta get like think outside the box and just think like if you're a deer where are you gonna go and Think of a creative way to, to, to get at them. It's really it. Well, yeah. and, and it's kind of cool what you guys mentioned, too, because, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of times smart deer, they're going to travel, you know, into the wind. You know, if they're if they're moving into the wind and you're simply following them, you know, and you're downwind from them. I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a neat approach because, I mean, sometimes, you know, it would kind of automatically keep you in a in a positive position, not necessarily all the time, but a lot of the time in a positive position on the wind side of things. So, I mean, it's kind of. You know, we talk all the time about, man, go out there and, and have an adventure. You know, don't just be on the sidelines and, you know, get stuck in, in, in you know, your comfort zone. Be willing to get out there and, and kind of try something new. That That's ultimately how we're going to grow as outdoorsmen. Yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 neat. I mean, that like makes me want to get out there and, and try something like that because that's not something I've really ever done, you know, what you guys are mentioning. So it makes me want to get out there and give it a try. Yeah. It's like you can be I, – I, we found – that you can be more aggressive than you think sometimes. Yeah. 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 Right. You no, know, you can do the aggressive move and it's like, well, or just go in and decide I am this type of hunter. I'm the type of hunter that waits. And there are different guys that, you know, we've had on the podcast who are very different in their styles. Like a guy like Mark mm-hmm. Kenyon versus a guy like, um, Aaron Warburton from, uh, the, yeah. the hunting public. They have Hunt a very public, different yeah. approach, but those dudes both put a lot of deer to get down. So yeah. like if you kind of figure out what works, yeah like a lot of the things jared and i do we've learned from watching those guys uh both yeah. both sides because they're yeah. you know very good and very different yeah, yeah for sure right and then it, it really ultimately comes down to what are you like how whatever makes you a better hunter do it yeah um, right just because somebody else is doing something doesn't mean it's going to be the perfect fit for you right uh, we've had yeah. we've had and we've talk to guys who their main focus is cattail marsh islands and that's all they'll hunt they'll look for yeah. them on different places and sometimes that doesn't work all the time for somebody else yeah yeah somebody right. you know yeah, um well i think said. that's yeah and, and i personally kind of like the the more pursuit aspect of hunting like the, yeah. the seek and, and right. pursue mm-hmm. so yeah. for to, for me choosing a stand is is god almost stresses me out too much to think of it it's like well if I sit in this spot, I'm stuck here for the rest of the night where right. if I have the option of maybe hunting the ground, then I'd 
if I have an opportunity where I can move closer to where I think the deer are coming or where they have already moved through, then I want to be able to do that. And that just yeah. strengthens my odds that much more. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's, those are all excellent points. And it almost, you know, I have nothing wrong with tree stand hunting by any means. I do a, do a fair bit of that myself too, but I don't know. I also do a lot of ground hunting and there's just something that feels almost more in line with what primitive hunting once was, you know, where you're, you're, you're having to use what's, what does nature give you, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. right. Well, how, how are we using this? The terrain features how are we using the structure you know how how's the wind funneling through here so that is so cool though i i definitely want to give that a try sometime that's that's yeah. that's that's a really good tip there so let's let's kind of talk a little bit here about when you are deciding to maybe do one of these still hunts or i mean obviously you guys are pretty mobile in your approach um and which is i'm assuming that's one of the reasons you guys choose to saddle hunt is it just gives you more freedom that way so if you're going to maybe it's a private piece so you know the property well you know what trees are there and how close they are to some of these terrain features we talked about that you like maybe it's a feeding area maybe it's a bedding area um where where are you um going to prioritize right away so let's say i mean we kind of need to probably have some more information here but let's say mm-hmm. it's a it's a morning hunt so i do also want to talk here about setting up in the dark like how you guys go about that but mm-hmm. but um because <laughs> that a is lot, a, a lot of pre-work right jared we show up yeah. days in advance <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean that's a that's a that's a that's a big deal because Climbing up those sticks, getting those sticks hung on there right, and and uh, then of course, I'm not even sure what all goes into saddle hunting. You guys have to have a platform of some sort, right? To uh, you can, yeah. So there's also yeah, you have, there's also a little tree steps that you can put on like a ratchet strap. It's called a ring of steps that okay. just go around the tree, and you have something to stand on all the way around. That's sure. what we used to have last year, but this year we've got the uh, the trophy line mission platform. So it's okay. about the size of uh, like a lone wolf seat, maybe a little sure. bigger. Sure. You know, those actually work out uh, pretty okay. well. Pretty well. Yeah, okay. we like those. So are you, in, in order to make sure that you're, let's just cover this right away since we're on it. Yeah. So when you're getting in, it's pitch black. Do you just try to go as slow as you can so you aren't making unnecessary noise? Or do you just have like such a well-oiled process that, that... <laughs> You know, you're able to yeah, do yeah, so yeah. efficiently without clanging and banging and everything. So actually, before the season started, because um, uh, Trophy Line just came out with their platform and their stick bundle this year. Okay. And when we first got them, James and I actually got together and figured out how we're going to assemble all this stuff in our pack system and how we're going to take it out. Because mm-hmm. um, cause you're right. Uh, getting into a saddle is it's a process it's, it's something it's a lot it's a lot different than mm-hmm. just a, a tree stand right. or, mm-hmm. or a climber for that matter so yeah there's there's practice that needs to go into this and luckily if you have a like a tree in your backyard like we did we were able to practice a little bit but right having things that are silenced uh, for me i'm a yeah. i'm a big number one i'm a big loose strap guy i hate loose straps everywhere <laughs> my biggest pet peeves yep and then if things are noisy so those are the, those are the two things that we're making sure are done and out of the way 
before we're going out. So sure. a lot of people use the uh, straps on their sticks, the ones mm-hmm. with like a buckle strap. Yep. I don't like them. Yeah. Uh, I know it kind of voids the warranty on the sticks if you, you use something different, but I use a rope mod, if you guys know what that is. No, uh, no, I'm not sure on that. Okay, so it's basically a piece of, I think it's 8 millimeter static climbing rope. Okay, yeah. And you make it about, I make mine probably about 8 feet long. And you tie a half hitch on one end, so just a, a basic loop. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then on the other end, it's just burnt so it doesn't fray at all. And right. you use that loop on the, the kisser. Is it a kisser button? Is that what they're called? Uh, Versa, Versa called button. Versa, Versa button, button, yeah. Versa, Versa button. I think of it as a kisser button because I <laughs> hold it on a lot of times with my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect height. Um, yeah. Yeah, you, what you do is you put the loop on the Versa button, then wrap this static cord around the tree like you would a strap okay then you're taking that extra strap and putting it behind the loop in the same spot as the versa button and you're pulling it tight right there and actually create uh, like a chinese finger trap so you're in it just the same way yeah self-tightening basically yeah so we we do that we've been able to cut down on sound and weight at the same time nice yeah that's so, great there's no chance of that banging on those sticks then because that's no nope. yeah, that's quiet. the noisiest part of it are the the metal buckles even if they're the slide ratchet straps or whatever yep they so man. then yeah so then i guess kind of going on the process approach um and kind of like how fast are you getting up the tree it's based on your process so the way i get up in a saddle i've got everything attached to me and you know my first two sticks are set and then i start going up the tree and Mm -hmm. most of the stuff i've been able to most of the sound i've been able to eliminate based off the practice i do in the backyard sure so even if i am out hunting and i find like man that thing's freaking loud right now when i'm getting up to this point or Mm -hmm. you know i could really fix this area then i'm 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 fixing that before i head back out but um it really i guess it would really depend on a uh, if I got out there late or if I can actually take my time mm-hmm. right? getting up into the stand or if James texted me and be like, hey, I'm already up. Then I'm rushing <laughs> yeah. up the tree right. yep. trying, to be, yeah, trying, right. to, trying to beat him. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that, that sounds consistent with, with um, yeah. a lot of what we've been saying to, to our listeners is preparation's everything. Yep. I mean, having that routine yep. established, knowing what you're, what you're going to do and what you can expect from your equipment, that's... Those are all great tips, and I really like that idea with the rope. That is, that could be a total mm-hmm. game changer, especially in the dark when you're, you can't see everything as well. You don't want to have your light going the whole time yeah. and everything else. So, mm-hmm. so let's say you're up in the tree now. Are you in the morning? Are you prioritizing being close to bedding? Is that, or are you more like a transition area hunter in the mornings? What are you kind of prioritizing there? Um, I like to get close to uh, bedding. So okay. just transition areas between food and bed. Sure. Um, and like I was saying, this year I spent a lot of time hunting the back three, as we call it, <laughs> because there is great bedding area. Um, sure. And so I know that I, for sure I know I'm going to see, you know, one or, or all of the eight does that, that generally move through there. Mm-hmm. But especially mm-hmm. then during the rut, man, it's just like it's, it's you're just waiting. It's just a numbers game because at some point one of those will come in heat. And mm-hmm. at some point, a buck's coming through. And so this year, I've my, I, you know, given the fact that I can, you know, the wind doesn't really affect where I am. There's there's a lot of 
pressure in the woods, but they're unpressured deer. I'm able to go back there yeah. and, uh, like in time and time again because it doesn't mess with them at all. And right. I'm just right. able to wait. And so this year it's been, you know, Jared and I, we talk about it all the time, but it's like, man, I just got to, I just got to be out there. At some point one comes mm-hmm. by and like I said, this morning one did. And that was the one, morning, yeah. you know, I, I slept in. And so, oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> you hate to see it. This morning, I I was like, I went to even bed last night excited. I'm like, because my my routine has been starting, you know, beginning of November, end of October is I get up at about five or so. I take the dog for a walk. I get the dog put away. I get my camo on. I go hunt until work. And I go right to work. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Last night, I forgot to hit the switch in your iPhone to turn the the, uh, alarm on. All of a sudden, I wake (laughs) up and I'm like, I'm like, and I think immediately, did I wake up because of the alarm or did I just wake up? And I realized, oh no, it's seven o'clock. You know? oh, no. It was seven o'clock on the dot. Oh, <laughs> right. Well, I'm at least, I'm like, I'm at least going to grab my stuff. I, yeah, I put my stuff on and I'm like, I'm just going to go poke out there and like, just if I can get out quietly, cause what I've been doing is leaf blowing to my stand so I can get out quietly. Right. There um, you go. And I'm like, I'm just going to go check it out. It's kind of leaves kind of blew over it, whatever. So I get out, uh, you know, maybe a quarter of the way out and I'll, I'm seeing this, this doe is feeding. So I'm like, okay, you know, all right, I, I'm going to stay here. It has no idea I'm here. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, about 50 yards away from it. Uh-huh. Um, so I wanted to watch it eat. I'm like, I guess I just got to wait for it to go away. Suddenly it, it takes off. Right. And this buck comes in nice eight point, uh, oh. for, for me, especially. You know, it's not, it's not, it wasn't no Iowa monster, right? But for Michigan, <laughs> it's like three or four inches outside the sure. it's nice and wide. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. cruising, right? Yep. And so, because I'm late, all I have are my binoculars. I've got my harness on because I was going to go, or my saddle on, and I got my bow. He starts kind of chasing past me and then, ve- like, going away. And I'm like, you know, what do I do? So uh-huh. I start going, I'm like, you know, I'm doing yeah, this yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. Man. Yeah, that was that really was, good. That was good. good. Yeah, so, I, I you sound better than me on my Primos tube. <laughs> I, I would be lying to say if I I wasn't practicing. I've not may have practiced this before. So that's so awesome. I'm like, I'm like, I gotta go for broke. I'm gonna do it. So I do that. I gave him a wee like a snort wheeze. Mm-hmm. He stops like he runs into a wall. Right. He's like, sure. what the heck is that? So I'm like, okay. uh... I think I got him turned around and he, you can tell he gets stiff legged with his walk, you know, uh-huh. and he, but he goes around a little hill. And so I'm like, well, I guess he's going to chase where that doe went. I should, you know, but he's going slower. So maybe I'll just sneak. I'm going to take my boots off. I'm going to sneak to the right before the crest of the hill. I, I kind of know where they go down in this little, this little ditch. I'm like, I'm going to, you know, try to shoot down into there. Uh-huh. And as I'm walking up, I, I'm like halfway there. I see he had turned around and he was coming back ears laid back, like ready to fight. Right? Oh, and so I'm mm. like, what do, what do I do? So I'm like, Oh wait, you know, he's, he's coming right at me. Right. Uh-huh. He gets to about 20 yards, not, not even. Um, and he's walking behind, behind a tree. So I, I got my recurve. I'm like, I just got to draw and hold. Right. So yeah. I do and hold. He stops with his head and his butt sticking out on both sides of the tree. <laughs> oh and no. The tree right, right over its vitals. And that's why before the show, I was like, man, I was debating the next shot, but I'm like, yeah. no, this, that's obviously would never do it. But at the same time, I'm like, what if? So I mean, he looked at me, and it, it's the he did the funniest thing because he didn't know what I was. He couldn't figure out what was going on. Right. He knew it wasn't right. He takes off. He goes the opposite way of the doe, 
And that, you know, 20 more yards and stops. And if I had a compound bow, Jared, I think you would have, I mean, he was at 40 yards, right? Mm-hmm. I, I would have whacked no him. Way. You would have whacked him. And uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he, it's funny because he just circles around. He, he wants to get to where the doe is, but he knows mm-hmm. I'm not right. So he just goes like 30 yards out and then just takes the same path in. And so he literally mm. just makes a, a, a circle around me. It was, it was pretty cool to watch. But yeah, yeah that's, a, that's why I say you got to be out there and it, every yeah. day, even if yeah. it's been warm, it was, I slept in and that was mm-hmm. the day that it happened. And that buck walked right past my stand. So I would have, yeah. I would have had a shot at him. Yep. So. Yep. No, that's, it got your heart going though. So it's a good day, man. That's yeah. wow. That would have been a cool, a cool finish yeah. there, but Hey, it's an awesome story and a great, a great lesson too, for sure. So. Um, let's say, let's say you had gotten into your stand and, uh, everything went as you planned the night before. And, uh, you know what, here's the, here's the crazier thing, how this all like works together here. I am of course, I am of course an hour behind you and, and I chose to sleep in an extra 10 minutes this morning because I was up late last night doing some work, but, um, I was like, I need to text James in the morning to make sure that we're still good to record tonight and everything. Yeah, you did. Had I had I <laughs> woken up at the right time, man, I might have texted you, and it might have been the, might have the, the the noise you needed to <laughs> spring into action. Dang it, man. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> your fault. <laughs> That's right. But uh, but let's say that everything went as planned. You end up in your tree, and you aren't seeing anything. At what yep. point? Do you guys, and Jared, feel free to chime in here as well. At what point do you guys kind of start thinking, all right, it's time to get mobile. Deer aren't here. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to hop down. And where are you headed then next? And we'll go ahead since it's this time of year during the rut. What, what type of thing are you looking for next? If you're just not seeing anything. I'll let you do that one, Jared. Sure. So I guess. My approach this year has been a little bit different of James, just because of uh, like availability and stuff. So James has been on the on the back three. I've primarily been on different uh, state land locations that I've found, yeah, sure, and have been going to. So I guess to speak on the on the morning hunt aspect, um, I haven't been doing a whole lot of morning hunts just because the spots I've wanted to get to, I've never been to. I don't really like going in blind, so to speak. Right. So when yeah. I when I am going in, I'm going in more towards afternoon evening so i can check to at least see if there's any fresh sign there because that's been my my one big goal for the year is to to hunt sign rather than where i think they're gonna be sure um what was the question again (laughs) i totally lost (laughs) what would you do if if things aren't going right like what do you do to adjust oh yeah 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 if if i'm in a spot on we'll say on public and it's i've sat there till 10 o'clock and it's rut Mm-hmm. I'm getting down. I'm getting down, and I'm sure. I'm moving to either the downwind side of the bedding area, mm. or some sort of terrain feature that is going to funnel deer past me. That could be, you know, a draw leading up somewhere. It could be a river or a creek that's, you know, keeping deer on one side. Right. Um. Because d- bucks are going to be moving, and they're going to be yeah. checking for does, and they're going to be chasing them if they see them. So yeah. if they're moving, I'm moving, at least to a spot that um, I deem as, as well, or if I know of a, a good travel route for deer. That's yeah. me. That's, that's a good tip. Yeah, kind of using those those P 
features as a fence and and uh, getting where there's more activity. Yeah, speaking of, uh, I listened to an interview with, uh, I think it was actually with uh, the two guys you mentioned. I think it was on Wired to Hunt this week with Aaron Warburton. Oh. <laughs> and that's 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 pretty much exactly the kind of thing he was suggesting was, yeah, you can, you know, sit in one spot for a week and eventually you'll probably have something come by. But right. if you're kind of like you're talking where time is of the essence, you got to go find them sometimes. That's a That's a good tip. Okay, well, as we uh, kind of wrap this one up here, I came up with a couple scenarios here for you guys. So uh, yeah. <laughs> you can you can uh, kind of tag. I like these. Yeah, yeah, these are these are kind of fun. So the first one is, I know, and just from talking now and from following your channel, you guys do spend quite a bit of time hunting public ground, uh, which is a, a whole new a whole new animal, and um, I think is. I think that's super helpful though, because I think that that's reality for most guys, especially yeah. when they're just getting into it. They don't necessarily have those connections yet with private landowners and, and, uh, you gotta, you gotta use what you can use. So let's say you are, um, you're hunting Michigan grounds. So mm -hmm. archery season, Michigan, obviously pressure is a big part of the equation here, not just in coming across other hunters, but just in deer behavior, of course. So you're you're headed in, and we'll say it's we'll say it's a, a rut time frame. We'll say maybe early rut. Mm -hmm. And um, what is just kind of describe for us to kind of bring all these things together? It's your first your first sit on this this uh, piece of public ground. How are you approaching it? before you get there so are you going to do a lot of aerial scouting or are you going to try to have intel from you know maybe in the spring doing some shed hunting or or a trail camera stuff that you're you're trying to get intel from and then what is like perfect weather day for you that you gotta maybe either take a day off work what's like the day that you're going to approach this public piece and what terrain feature are you going to prioritize first so all right <laughs> so so prep work beforehand yep yeah perfect day perfect terrain <clears throat> yep. feature yeah prep work jared jared and i have been doing this thing so if we're finding like a new spot mm -hmm. um we found this map overlay that shows what's that what does it show jared like where swamps and oak and conifer uh, land like, land cover land okay. cover yes yeah, so, and yeah yeah why don't you walk you're you're really good at that walk them through how you do what you do sure um yeah so the Huntwise app has a land cover um overlay where like james was saying you can see where oak trees are or aspens oh, nice. or conifers or bogs which is wow. really helpful yeah yeah um so what we do is we'll, James and I will both look at a piece of map and we'll both mark spots without telling each other of where we would go. So we'll pepper this place um, with waypoints that we determine. Mm -hmm. And then we'll discuss like, hey, this is what I found. This is why. And there, there is a little bit of, of prep work that goes into it. You're not just going to go in there and just walk. I mean, you can definitely go in and walk around, mm -hmm. but you're going to be... I mean, you're just going to be walking around blind. So if you can look at a map and determine maybe a few different areas that you can get to, 
um, then that's a perfect place to start. And what do I mean by that? Uh, There was a piece that I just went out to last week. I had never been there before, and we did what we talked about. We turned on the the topo map. Mm -hmm. uh, I found a draw. I found where there's a a public kind of what a farmer leases it, and he'll, I think he was growing, like, winter wheat in there. So, okay. I mean, stands were all along the edge of this thing <sighs> uh, when I got there. Uh, but then, you know, on the map, there's a swamp, and then there's, a like, a creek bottom. So I, I found the features that I like to have on a piece of property mm-hmm. that I go to. And sure. then from there, I'm looking at, again, the, the draws, the ridges. Can I get there? Is that going to be really steep? Um, and you can determine that based off of the distance of the lines on a topo map, if you know how to read one. Sure. Um, so I had three different spots on this map that I wanted to get to, and I knew that the wind had to be right in order for me to get in there. So for this particular piece, I needed the wind to be out of the south or southwest or southeast, but primarily out of the south blowing back up to where I was parking. Okay. And it was actually a good day to get in there that day. Um, and as I was walking out, I actually was able to, because it was a windy day and the leaves were so dry, I was actually just able to walk into the area that I wanted to get to without mm-hmm. really disturbing mm-hmm. anything. So, Okay. that's uh, Jared, I'm surprised you didn't use tool. your buck run. I did, actually. Believe it or not, I did. You did? Yeah, so I have a patented buck run. And the buck run is, if you've, if you've ever seen a buck, a running <laughs> buck, charging through the woods, he's not yeah. a quiet, he's not a quiet yeah. dude. That's right. true. Like, he is running at least like a tick, tick, Yeah, that's true. So if you're able to keep that cadence and put a grunt tube in your mouth and give out a little grunt once in a while. Yeah. We... We have a theory that deer aren't going to be as alerted as they would to a like a hunter's cadence of a step. Yeah, step. yeah that makes yeah. sense. I'm buying it. So, yeah. hey, I, Jared, I, I actually I didn't tell you this. I ran up right up to a deer two days ago. I went to run because you because of you because of the advice you have given me over your buck run. <laughs> I'm like, well, I gotta get my I gotta get my <laughs> I gotta pull it. Uh, <laughs> And so I just started, I just ran up to it and she just is looking at me and she never ran. I grabbed it and turned around and ran away. And she just wow. Was like, like, not a threat. And I'm like, man, if I, if it was, you know, doe shooting time, that would have been an awesome story. Just be like, yeah, I just yeah, right. Times when you yeah. really need a GoPro, right? That- <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, so, uh, you wanted preparation. Yep. You wanted uh, the perfect weather condition. Yeah. So, like, you maybe you're watching the forecast. You have mm-hmm. the, the flexibility with your job where you can be like, "Hey, boss, I'm not going to be here tomorrow." Yeah. What's that yes. day look like for you? Honestly, what I know we we come back to Huntwise again, but they actually just came out with the uh, Hunt was it Huntcast 2.0. Okay. If you guys know who Jeff Sturgis is from oh, yeah. Whitetail, yep. yeah. Yeah, uh, he collaborated with them to to bring some pretty sweet uh, uh, data that the algorithm predicts what the best day to hunt is, and then sure. we'll give you an update on your phone. Yeah. Um. So really, I'm basing it off of them. But if I didn't have that, 
I am looking for a big um, drop in weather. Sure. Um, and then, you know, the barometric pressure and really just, honestly, just hunting cold fronts and making sure the wind's in my favor. Those mm-hmm. are basically the two things. So the rest of it and, like, moon phase and all that different stuff, I, I don't really get into that much. But right, if, right. If it, if it raises the, the deer day for me, then I'll, uh, I'll call off work. Sure. Yep. That's uh, and that's where that preparation really comes in key too, because like you mentioned, ha- knowing where those you want those stands to be, then that's when the wind is is so huge, especially when you're considering scent right. and everything else. So, yeah, which, which is key to have a couple options. So if you have one stand in a spot that you can't get to, make sure you're, you know, if you can and it's reasonable, have a different stand or maybe a location that you want to check out that you can you can get to if the wind's not suitable for that. Yeah, first yeah I like how you said that, a, a place to check out. Because, yeah, sometimes we just can't get to, to everywhere to, to explore it. But right. yeah, through your through your aerial scouting and using that tool you talked about, which is just, man, that's incredible. Because there's so many times when I'm doing aerial scouting that I wish I had that exact information. What are, What's the timber stand in this area? Right. And that's, yep. that's huge. Yeah, so just having those places in the back of your mind that are almost a – polar opposite from some of your other spots just in case that's what the conditions demand and and this is the day you get a hunt so yeah that's a that's a great tip okay well let's uh let's kind of um go on to i think we answered all our questions there yeah let's go on to um the next scenario and uh this one is this one's kind of a little more fun here i think this is this is kind of the thing we'll uh we'll wrap up here although i do want to talk for a minute again about boga and and where people can mm-hmm. find you guys and stuff but let's say somebody were to come to you <clears throat> both of you guys and you can you can tag team on this one and they said here's this mountain of cash you know we'll say we'll, we'll say uh uh, let's say, you know, a million just doesn't sound that much anymore. You know what I mean? It's kind of like oh, a million bucks. <laughs> I, sure. I mean, I'm taking it, but I'll take a million. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, we'll say, right. we'll say 5 million bucks. It's a game show. Basically they come up to you guys and they're like, all right, James and Jared, 5 million bucks. If you guys can kill a forked antler buck by the end of a 24 hour period, you can, choose the day you can choose if you're going to be ground hunting saddle hunting you can choose your terrain features you can choose uh the the time of season weather conditions i mean basically you're looking for your perfect day what's that going to look like is it going to be early season is it going to be rut is it going to be late season maybe like doing your um your track down method and uh, maybe any other variables you find significant that you would want to be present here. So you got to kill a forked antler buck by the end of your perfect day. What what does this puzzle look like? In Michigan? Yep, we can go Michigan again. Yep. Oof. Send it, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> You're first. <laughs> or I think he's on mute. I'll go first. Um, I'm looking for, I love a good foggy morning. Okay. Um, I want to, oh yeah. Well, just a little bit of fog 
Uh, You're saying fork horn bucks? Like, if it wasn't a forked horn, would you still oh, think yeah, it I... should be foggy? What? Can it be bigger than a fork horn? No, well, it has the... to be a fork horn. You no, know, it can be. It just has to have forked antlers. So it can't be a spike. It's got to be a buck bigger than a oh, spike. I thought okay, all not right, just all right. a forked. Oh, <laughs> oh I was like, man, he's real. that's ten million bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on. Okay. Um, I'm hunting. Ooh. On a an oaked finger leading out into a swamp that has a heavy trail leading out to the edge of that swamp. Mm. It's the rut in the morning, and I'm set up on the downwind side of that finger. Wow, that's that's awesome. That's me. Wow, that, that's what I'm looking for. Because the whole Wait. the whole point of this. The whole point of this is, and I want to hear yours too, James, for sure. The, the whole point of this is there's guys out there that want to just kill a buck. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. you just you just painted that picture there for how you would get that done. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. Jared, you're saying you're say say that again. That last part. Where are you going? Uh, the tip. All right, I am I am I'm hunting the finger, an oak finger, an oak stand yeah. finger leading like in a swamp, right? Okay. That's leading out into a swamp. Or a cattail yep. marsh. Yeah. There's a heavy beaten trail leading out to the tip of that finger, yeah. leading out into the cattails or the marsh, and I'm sitting on the downwind side of the finger. Wow, you you think that buck is just gonna walk straight up that finger, huh? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's well, I hope so for hey, a five million, million bucks. Five million bucks, man. <laughs> I'm putting everything on the line. Here. Right. Here, here's here's why I'm going to get five million bucks and you won't. can we the ideal place if you want to get a forked horned buck or higher hunt Mm -hmm. the back three hunt the back three (laughs) no actually what i what i think you should do is stick between two doe bedding areas Mm. okay find a pinch point between two bedding doe bedding areas whatever that pinch point is Mm -hmm. hunt it and i would pick the man, if I not one, do I get it one date or is it like a date? You get twenty four hour span. Yeah, you right. Get, okay. Choose shoot. any choose any day you want. I would say the tenth, the eighth, somewhere in there. Like the probably or the I've always I've killed the, my biggest buck on the twelfth of November. Mm, I'll say that okay. the twelfth of November, and he yeah. was rutting like hard, you know. But that's where I would that's where I would set up right on that that spot. And you know what? I don't think I need it to be foggy. But I wouldn't mind a light rain. Oh, okay. Mm. So I wouldn't mind a light rain. So now I'm curious here because I I didn't expect you guys to say either that, and I think that there there's that's a good idea now that I think about it. But is that because of noise reduction or visibility reduction? Um, I think that deer can smell better. Uh, I I've, I've read it somewhere that when it's wet a little bit rainy they can smell well i think that's probably why jared said the fog because moisture in the air um, sure i feel like they just i see them move more when it's just kind of slightly kind of crappy weather but not really okay or yeah. like mm-hmm. a light snow yeah yeah um not heavy once it gets heavy you know the heavier it gets i, I, th- I think they kind of they kind of hunker down and that's when yeah. you know we maybe go mm-hmm. and try to still hunt them but, but yeah so i would say like a light rain uh and, and it does help with visibility i I think you can get away with that it's quieter and everything else too yeah yeah i think it's interesting yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think those are those are great tips and and that's exactly why i asked you because 
like I said, there's so many new hunters out there that they just want yeah. to kill a buck. And so much of what we can tune into and and uh, see out there, read out there, is about killing mature bucks, which is awesome. That's what that's what experienced hunters want to do. But for a new hunter, yeah, just find a place like Jared and James just described. You can you can get to where there's going to be deer, and you're going to get those really close encounters and have those own story, your own stories, like what James talked about happening uh, this morning. Yeah. Just, you know, that that's what it's all about. So if you would have texted me. A earlier, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was thinking about, I was like, to right now. <laughs> uh, Ken, Ken is going to have your wake up call every morning at four o'clock. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I Mr. would Sancho, appreciate Would you that. like your coffee and eggs now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I seriously, I was thinking, I was like, Maybe I shouldn't text this early. Maybe he's not up yet or something, but no, I should have done it. Right, man. I'm, I'm up. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's right. Man, that's, that's too bad that it didn't, it didn't pan out, but I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll get him. Like you just Back said, November morning. 12th so hasn't come yet. November 12th that's right. hasn't November come 12th. yet. Yeah, that's right. It hasn't come. That's, that's going right. to be the day. Yep, that's gonna be that's gonna be the cash money. That's gonna be the five million dollar day. That's yes. what. That's what. It, that's what it'll be. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. Before um, before we uh, totally close it down here, Boga Hunting. It's an awesome channel. Uh, excellent website. Really high quality stuff. And I did mean to th- throw this in here. We keep talking about this guy, Mark Kenyon. He's he's kind of an important guy in deer hunting right now. But um, you guys did an interview with him. Uh, maybe this summer, like a, yeah, a couple months ago. Um, that was one of the most informative, and I've listened to hundreds of hours of deer hunting podcasts, and that was one of the most informative episodes I've ever heard. So, I say that because a, if you're listening to this, you should go listen to that interview. It was all about choosing the perfect tree. And yeah. man, I learned, I learned so many like quick tips in there, like stuff that you can apply immediately. Kind of like the stuff that, that you guys mentioned tonight with tracking a buck in the snow with, you know, what's your perfect day for hunting and, and how do you hunt these different phases of the season? But there's all kinds of that other content on that show as well. And, um, branching out and getting diverse voices weighing in on what works for them is going to make your chance at finding success that much better. So make sure you guys uh, check out Boga Hunting. Um, website is just bogahunting.com, correct? Yep. And then yep. Um, you have a Instagram page. Uh, you guys do a YouTube channel as well, correct? Lightly. Light, very yeah. lightly. It's it's hard to do it all. It is. I, I, and then of people, course, people always ask us like, or we we discuss it between ourselves. It's like, are we going to start like filming ourselves? And it's like, man, I if someone yeah. wants to follow me along with a camera, that's fine. But I just want to go hunt. Yep. You know? Yeah, yeah, right. I don't yeah. have to worry about cameras and this, that, and the other. So it's like, yeah, we'll we'll do it from our phones and we'll yeah. make sure you're all are informed. But I don't know, just hasn't we hasn't have, hit hit there yet. We have yeah. a camera guy, but we, we he hunts and he does a lot of photography for us. So sure. Yeah. It's yeah, and plus I don't know. We we have some stuff on there we do where that are bigger projects slower, like they're not so quick put together. So yeah. Right. Right. No, all good stuff. Follow him on Instagram. Um definitely go to the, the website and then of course subscribe to their podcast and uh, get more great content from you guys. Plus their show's just fun. It's entertaining to listen to. Yeah. Us. 
I yeah, laugh a lot no while I'm listening. So appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, it's a good quality product. Yeah, and, thank you. And uh, again, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Thank you, Brandon, for uh, sacrificing your night as well. And uh, yeah, make sure everyone goes to thehuntfishlife.com. Check out their content. Head over to firstgenhunter.com. Follow all of these pages on uh, social media, YouTube, wherever you can find us. And uh, like and subscribe anywhere you can. Interact with us. Talk to us. Buy our stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, most importantly, take care and take someone hunting. <laughs> <laughs>